Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. It's a very special Sunday mailbag edition. In fact, it is so special that you're listening to this podcast on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas! We are doing this one in advance. They're pre-recorded, but Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate, to those of you who don't, Merry Christmas anyway, but also all the best for your particular choice of faith or observance. Um, It's Christmas Day, and we didn't want you to miss out on a podcast, so Andrew and I have been slaving away, and we've pre-recorded a couple of episodes. You heard a pre-recorded episode last week. You'll hear one next week as well, and then we'll be back with uh, with more up-to-date episodes in early January. But we hope you're having an enjoyable Christmas, whether you're listening to this on Christmas Day or whether you're listening to it after. Uh, we hope you're having a good festive season. I want to say, we are, of course, I mean me, Scott Phillips, and him, Andrew Page. Merry Christmas, mate. Merry Christmas. Although, can, I, can I be that guy and just, oh, just point out that, that every podcast- it's Christmas. Every podcast, almost by definition, is pre-recorded. I don't, I don't think you have live podcasts, <sighs> do you? Theatre of the mind, dude. Theater of the- <laughs> okay, just- <laughs> yes, okay, fine. Uh, well, it's actually recorded live, so it's both live and pre-recorded. Live, like reco- recorded live, I love it. Pre- recorded love live, it. exactly. Well, mate, people know there's no editing this thing. This is this is straight, straight out of the barrel. But yeah, okay, fair enough. You be that bloke and say it's all pre-recorded. These are recorded also further in advance than usual. Can I say that? Yeah, it's a bit of a, 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 a podcast I'll recommend, no affiliation, but Tony Martin does one and uh, Sizzletown. And the running joke there is it's the live call-in podcast. Um. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Yeah. Give us a call now if you're listening. That's right. Yeah. Uh, shows of Donahue and Talkback Radio. Yep. All right, well, if anyone does call in during the podcast, we will take your call. We'll take so feel free to call live. us now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard that one before. Mate, because uh, it's Christmas, mm-hmm. because it's Christmas, we have, I have a gift for you. Oh, yeah. And the gift is a, in the form of a message from Stephen who messages us with a screenshot uh, the heading is BBC Experts on Six Things You Need to Know. And it's a photo montage of all six of them. And then the six of them with their key bullet points. And Stephen just wants you to know that the BBC has a, quotes, cost of living correspondent. Because <laughs> oh, <God>. oh. <laughs> Stephen knows how much you love cost of living as a, as a phrase. So the BBC, literally, it's, uh, so yes, the, 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 here's the bullet point. Cost of living correspondent Coletta Smith explains what help is available for those worrying over the forecasted rise in energy bills coming in April. So there you go. <laughs> it was good enough for the BBC. Aren't they, aren't they the arbiter of all these things? It's everywhere now. It's everywhere. It just, well, it's, 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 whoever you you came it up with that, that phrase it needs a slap across the face. because You can't get rid of it. It's, it's, it's done. That way. Well, the BBC have adopted it. You know, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's you know what's even I like there's many many things that reasons I don't like it but it, it, it just sort of like you know whether or not you have the latest iPhone is not a cost of living or you know the the, the next trip that you have interstate is not a living you know if you if it was purely just how much does it cost to stay alive then then you've got me but I I've got the assumption going that it's, it's far broader in concept than that and. Let's just stick to higher prices as, <laughs> as as we traditionally did, or or God forbid inflation. But no, cool. Let's let's do let's do cost of living. Oh jeez. So there you go, mate. Steve, Steve has sent you a Christmas present. Thank so, you. you know, Thanks. You're Steve. welcome, yep. <laughs> mate. Uh, while we uh, while we are talking about compliments, we also got a compliment from Robert, uh, who says Scott and Ram just listen to your conversation on deflation. I was wondering if, I can, if we can have a few more macro conversations like this, where you debate the merit of conventionally held economic views. I don't want you guys to be left with one listener, but I really enjoyed it. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. Thank <laughs> can, you, Robert. Can I say, I've, like, I've got a bit of hate on that one, on the old socials. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On socials? Oh, it's a very controversial statement to make. I recognise when I sort of said maybe deflation isn't all that bad, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's very, um, uh, well, What's the word? It, it's it's a very sort of fringe kind Everyone, of view, uh, okay, well, yeah. yep. <laughs> and and I, I just want to clarify on that too. It was more something. <laughs> it was more something that is like as a concept. It's one that yeah. I find if you know, like the Charlie Munger thing. You know, if you take it, take a mm-hmm. wild idea, take it seriously. I think if you kind of wrestle with it for a bit, you just you kind yeah. of you kind of come up with some. You approach some interesting ideas and thoughts, so I, I don't want to come across as some hardcore. You know, this is definitely <laughs> and yet, it, and I'm you know wait for my book yeah. to come out that proves it all. It's it's not, but I, I do think that there are. Well, as as the listener has just said, I think there is immense value in questioning 
certain sacred cows that we, yep. we consider to be true and maybe are yep. true. But this is the thing. I sort of made this comment on Twitter. It's like maybe, maybe you come back to exactly where you started, um, mm. but at least you've explored the idea and you probably mm. come back now with greater in- conviction and greater understanding, having gone full circle. So it's never, <laughs> there's no downside in taking some of these concepts seriously, even if you ultimately mm. reject them. At least, at least you have... I think the real mistake here is when people, and it happens all too often in life and in particularly in finance, but we just, no, nah, that's wrong. Why? Yeah. Oh, because we've always done it that way. Mm. Yeah, but doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. No, 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 no. It's, it's, that's what everyone <laughs> says. And I'm like, mm, just, I, I've always found very uncomfortable with that. You know, at one stage you would have said, you would have received some funny looks by saying that the world was round, you know? So, you know, uh, we're, we're still we're still the same biological organism we were when we were burning people at the stake. And, and sometimes, just sometimes, it's good to, it's good to question things in, in an in a open-minded, good-natured way. I think that's I think that's true. It, it, it's interesting though to me. And this is I mean, it's it's turtles and turtles as you like. So turtles all the way down. Um, the, the that's all true. And yet you and I were talking off air about the book Sapiens. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago, mm. maybe one ago or so now. Yeah. And uh, and I just mentioned to you that I, I didn't. I, I love the first half or two thirds of the book, and I kind of lost interest because it was being presented as a fait accompli rather than as a as a theory. Which when you talk about you know uh, <laughs> deep human history with no recorded outcomes you have to sort of guess or assume or, or infer things uh, but but what you kind of made you made the point about the book which is that it's you know it's about the stories we tell ourselves and tell each other and the way we kind of combine mm. and there is something too about <laughs> speaking of really philosophical you know the, the, the what is truth thing isn't far away right yeah. like whether whether you're right about inflation or I'm right about inflation or deflation or whatever it actually only ever comes down to how the rest of us behave in the face of certain circumstances yeah. So it actually doesn't matter whether inflation is good or deflation is good. It doesn't matter if inflation is bad or deflation is bad. What matters is if we're told a certain thing and experience a certain thing, how do we all behave as a group? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of, you know, whether you know, the, the empirical truth is worth striving for probably for its own sake if you want to get completely philosophical about it. But it's also like, and so what? You know, if I was proven 100% correct, you were proven 100% correct, but no one else listened to us. You know, yeah. if a tree falls in the forest type stuff, right? Oh, look, there, there are certain civilizations where you'd go and um, sacrifice uh, your firstborn in, in hope right, that it right, might right. rain or something. And, you know, there's mm, probably mm, someone in the village who said, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And, you, you know, yeah, would be yeah. considered crazy for suggesting. We've always, first, next person. <laughs> we've always <laughs> done that. And by the way, you know, Bob, last year we did it and it rained. So yeah. what do you say about that? You know, we, we yeah. like to sort of look back on these periods and laugh. But as I'll make the point mm. again, now, biologically, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. the same brains. It's the same yes, brains absolutely. that we have now, you know. Yeah. One of my, I always forget the person who said this, but I love the quote, which is- J.P. Morgan. Humanity, <laughs> humanity <laughs> is best described as Neolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike <laughs> technological power. And I think, nice. I think yeah. that sums up the, the human condition so well, because we really are, we are, we are neo, Neolithic in, in yeah. terms of what yeah. the, the operating system that we're all driving. We're running around in institutions and organizations that were invented hundreds of years ago. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. yet, you know, we're at the same time, you know, mm. um, sequencing mm. DNA and sending probes to Mars. It's sort of, you know, with the power to press a button and, and wipe out life on Earth. It's, it's mm. kind of, it's kind of wild. But, but, you know, and I, I came from a science background it's where I originally studied. And I was always amazed when I got into this space quite by accident um, that just how much stuff is just, taken as mm. as gospel because mm. oh that's what i was taught at uni and and it, i just like i know without getting too deep into the weeds of economics i think you and i have and in fact any half decent investor i've ever met have all been on this journey where we we start to realize that there's a whole bunch of crap out there that's not just like oh different people reasonable people can reasonably <laughs> disagree it's like no that yeah. that whole thing that predicates a massive pillar of the of the industry is is complete bs you know, uh, like, you know, we were talking about one just like the other week about how you might define risk. Well, the academics would call it volatility. Yes. You and I would say it's got nothing to do with risk, right? And that, that is a very sacred cow that you've got to be careful what you say. Mm. Um, and, there's, and there's a thousand of them. And yeah, I, look, as I say, be, be, people, people, can, people can disagree and that, but I, I think it's, I'm glad that, I'm glad to get that little bit of feedback because I will, I, I think that's where the really interesting stuff happens when you, when you start taking the things that are kind of foundational and accepted mm-hmm. as gospel and just poke them a little bit to see, 
to see see what shakes out of it because even if again even if you land up exactly where you started at least you have you've explored that idea and you can come back now with much greater conviction that no this is this is the version that is closest to the truth very very cool mate um i don't know the actual quote in the book but the description of the book called the origins of creativity by e.o wilson uh here's the quote wilson calls us an evolutionary chimera picking up things from every age without fully transitioning out of any one era. That's why we are a complicated mix of Paleolithic emotions, Paleolithic. medieval leftovers like banks and religion, and now the latest edition, godlike technology. Those are the influences we know about, but creativity may actually predate our language, writings, and art. Wilson believes it's hundreds of thousands of years older than we assume. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool idea. It's fascinating, and just to come look, I'll I'll recommend it, um, and people can make up their own minds. But I, I I actually put Sapiens up there as one of the best books I've read in the last ten years. I reckon. Wow. And cool. Yeah, it's a big call, and I just I, the, the 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 too long don't read version of it is is that <laughs> humanity's superpower is not our thumbs. Uh, it's not language. I mean, those are all pretty important things. Yeah. Um, but what what because because the Neanderthals had that. You know, um, a lot of hominids did. What our power, our superpower is really the fact that we form a super organism where we, we can cooperate. Not not just with the two or three or four or 500 people that we yep. might reasonably be able to personally know, but that I can, I can do business with someone on the other side of the world who lives in a different culture, speaks a different language. And I can do that. Because we all share common narratives and common stories, and that's that's the that's the thesis of Sapiens, is that that's the ability for us to cooperate with strangers throughout space and time. Um, no other species has been able to do that and because that, of those shared stories that that go further than our, our personal connections. So the big one, obviously, is religion, um, yep. but probably the second biggest one. Maybe actually, I'd put it out there as maybe the biggest one is money. Money, money is just a, a man-made invention. Yeah. It's a tool that, that yeah. allows us to coordinate and communicate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I can get a complete stranger to come and mow my lawn tomorrow just by giving me mm. a bit of bits of paper. And like, it's absolutely insanity until you think, well, no, it's actually a really useful technology. <laughs> and now I can do that. Otherwise, I would have to know, ask someone that I know and make sure that we had something that we could trade that both of us want. We had this coincidence of wants problem. It just, it's mm. a phenomenal invention, but it's all a story. Right. It's a yeah. massive fiction. I'll, it's a massive fiction. That, yeah. That, and that's because you, you talk about money as a technology before as you're describing it. And it is, it, it, like it really, I think that's the thing. We think technology is computer. Technology is just a thing that helps us do what we want, yep. a wheel or whatever. Um, but I think that's, it's it's the story itself. It's what, what what's behind the money, the, the faith we have yep. that I can get the thing I want, exchange the paper. The person who's, who's receiving the paper can get the thing they want, that we all have this common understanding of what that is, what it means, what it's worth, what we get for it. Those are the things that make it magical, right? Rather yep. than the, 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 the physical, you know, the, the idea of representing cost or value in paper is, is technologically a, a massive step forward. Yep. But if none of us believe it, then it's useless. It, it, is that, it is that story, as you say, that makes it all that different. Oh, without money, we are still hunter-gatherer level on the tech tree. Yeah. You know, we really are. And the, your communities really don't get more than but we're not, 500 yeah, or yeah. so. Like that's, that's the maximum size of any coordinating mm. group of, of um, homo sapiens <laughs> until you introduce something like that. Uh, it's, it's kind of a big deal. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Also, by the way, mate, and this is both the opportunity and the risk for us, is that the, the, the book and your point about evolution tells us, I've made this point before, tells us exactly why it's so hard for us to invest well. Yeah. Because as you said, we, have, we have the same brains as those people who couldn't conceive of, and, and very, very, very rightly, the, the opportunity for compounding the way we talk about it now mm. because of all those things, money in particular, but, but you know, cooperative effort, the, 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 the march of technology, all those things. I mean, I guess, yeah, t two, two cows, have another cow, there's three. You find another cow, somewhere else, there's four. Maybe that goes up to, you know, mm. six mm. at some point. Maybe, I mean, you can kind of, you can kind of get the idea of the constant breeding and herd creation. I guess at some point that's, that's compounding and, and a reasonable amount of it. But the sheer, I mean, Gina Reinhardt made $3.2 billion at Roy Hill. Um, the, the iron ore mine in, in WA. I mean, th think about the sheer scale of that, not just the money, but think about how many tons of stuff you've got to get. Think about just, I, I, I can't actually my head around it, mate. If I think about the, the hourly, daily, weekly, monthly volume, just sheer volume of work, mm. volume, weight, uh, size of tonnage of overburden removed and, and iron ore extracted and refined, that, just that whole idea is just much, to, to do so much of that, to have $3.2 mm. billion of profit, not even sales, profit left over. Mm. 
I I don't I don't I can't I don't work in mining I can't conceptualize something just that that big yeah um, and that's the extreme right but we kind of take it for for granted every day we talk about billions as if it's just they're just things yep um, doesn't isn't counting to a billion take longer than a lifetime or something there's something crazy about that oh there's uh, numbers the very large numbers can just mess with your brain you yeah know? yeah like yeah there 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 is you know. So I'm, I'm going to make this up, but it's something like two, <laughs> two to the 60 atoms in the universe type thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Someone will point out the exact number, but it's actually, you know, whatever number you <laughs> oh, can think will. of, add one or times it by yeah. 10 or whatever, and you get, yeah. it, gets, yeah. it gets very, very, very large. And, and it, it is just impossible for us to wrap our brain around it in any any reasonable way because we just we we have not evolved to, to deal with those those kinds mm, of numbers. Mm, mm. So I made the point on Friday that you know 99% of Buffett's wealth was made after he was 52. Mm. And exactly. uh, yeah. he was already incredibly rich 100 millionaire, multi 100 millionaire yeah, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. it's it's just that it's not like he was getting bad returns and then he made really good returns. Yeah, Actually, right. yeah. the, the mind blow here is his returns have gotten worse. Not because mm-hmm. he was yep. got. It's just it's just hard to like. It's very hard to invest a billion dollars, you know, to yes. find. Yes. So when he was when he was a much younger man, he was getting mm. actually insanely good returns. He just couldn't sustain it as he scaled. So his returns went down and down and down. But just just by the compounding and you know large numbers and the rest of it, it's just it's just gotten to an even more insane amount as well. Mm. So uh, yeah, there's, there's it's not natural, but at the same time, it's not beyond grasp if you stop to put the frontal cortex onto it rather than the lizard part of the brain. And, and we are all driven by the lizard monkey brain kind of thing. And if you can just, <laughs> if you can just sort of put that, you know, step that back from the driver's <laughs> wheel for a moment and think about some of these things, you actually get to realize just how profound uh, they are and, and how you can actually not just, oh, that's, isn't that interesting? Like you can, you can, it's a superpower, man. You can, you can use that to radically improve your circumstances in 100%. life. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep, exactly. Like, I'm not doing a little bit. I'm doing like, yeah, and yeah. you don't have to be yeah. Warren Buffett here. It's like, you know, the, there's somewhere out there, there is, there is someone who's probably 50, 60 years old who just did nothing other than worked an average job that they enjoyed and managed to save 10% of their savings in a broad-based index fund or just a broadly mm-hmm. diversified portfolio who's now probably worth many tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> and and they're out there. I've met them. There are these people exactly. out And you yep. got to go, yep. oh, yep. no, they didn't invent like self-landing <laughs> rockets Fire. or electric cars or, you know, they just yeah, did right. the average yes. Yes. very well and very consistent very consistently and they did that because they were driven by this north star of having actually pondered it and and and, yep. and come to the epiphany of wow this stuff is really powerful and yes. i wish i could tell you oh he said by the way he said you can fast track it and do it in three years i, I wish i could <laughs> <laughs> but but if you can yeah yeah you know but it's also a reminder just to me that yeah so i think that's true mate. I, the other thing i want to say though yeah, on exactly the same story is but it doesn't come easily for most people because it's not evolutionarily logical. No, it doesn't come easy so, for me either. I don't want to pretend that right, it does. Or right. I don't think anyone, unless you're an absolute freak, it, it's yeah, you have yeah. to. It's like going to the gym or being fit. Yes, You've got to work yes, at yes. it. You know, correct, correct. So you know, and and, it, and it's and it's not in, it's not um, instinctive, and it takes effort and it takes the subjugation of the rest of our brain in large parts to do these things. So yeah. um, if you're struggling with it, keep struggling. <laughs> You know, if you go through hell, keep going. Um, you may never get it perfectly right. Uh, pre-commitment bias or pre-commitment generally, sorry, is just so much so much more useful. Commit to putting a certain amount of money into whatever your investment strategy is. Every single pay just because that's what you do. Oh. Um, I said before during the during the GFC during the COVID crash, it sucked to be an investor, and I didn't want to do it, and I didn't like doing it, but I did it because I knew that it's what I should keep doing because I just have done it enough to yeah. know that that's what you do. Um, you don't have to like it, you don't have to enjoy it, you don't have to think it's even a great idea in the moment. You just got to say, you know what? I said I would keep doing this, so I'm going to keep doing it because I believe in the long-term result. That's how you overcome the uh, the evolutionary handicaps. 10,000 years ago in the Congo, you're walking along and you come across a bush just bursting with ripe fruit. You don't go, hmm, I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. I might just, <laughs> yeah. I might just have one now. And, yeah. Yeah. You, yes. you, you stuff yourself because you, mm-hmm. you don't know when that opportunity is going to come. And, and that, mm-hmm. that is, that is the, the struggle I think virtually all of us have in this modern world. Oh, yeah. We have this abundance yep. of food. There's not just this 
food, but it like hyper dense <laughs> nutrient, uh, calor- calorific kind of values on these things. Mm-hmm. And you don't need me to sort of spell it out. It's just, it's very hard because the brain for very good reason said when there is food, bloody eat it, <laughs> right? Because you don't know when your yeah. next meal is coming from. It's the same in the same in, in the sense when you're with the you with the tribe and someone yells out lion like you run mm-hmm. you don't yeah, go, exactly. the, the person who said well I would like to see evidence of said lion or not, <laughs> you know, just, are you sure because if it's not a lion it might be okay <laughs> they get eaten yeah. and yeah. they don't and I need they, I'll check yeah and that that is that is why no matter how smart and sophisticated mm. we might like to think we are when you're holding on to an in- investment that you think is really sound good quality company, long-term prospects, when the market just jumps 30% on you on that, Mm -hmm. and then you start to seeing a bunch of the punditry and blogs and social media exploding as to why it's the biggest con and fraud in the world or what, you know, it's like, it's going to take an inordinate amount of willpower to to go, no, that's actually, I don't think that's the case. And in fact, I'm going to buy more. Like that is, it's like running into a a burning building when everyone else is running out in a lot of ways. It's just super (laughs) super hard. Now that's not to say the danger there is of course, oh, we just do the opposite of what everyone's doing. Now, sometimes people are running out of a building for very, very, very good reason. But I just, I guess the the point is, is you just don't knee jerk it. As I said, point point the the frontal cortex at it, (laughs) not not the monkey brain. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Hey, uh, give it some mailbag, mate. We should talk about something our listeners want us to talk about. Robin Robert did ask the question, made made the statement, and we was a good launch. Took good launch. Pretty much, yeah. Good, great. Let's talk about what we want to talk about. Luke though says, I've got a question for the pod machine, which I love. Luke, thank you very much. Despite Andrew's continued uh, amusement. Pod machine is a thing. I will I will defend it to my dying breath. Uh, he says, legends. Firstly, of course, thanks for filling my brain vessel with great common financial sense that somehow my school days uni and lovable and well-intentioned parents completely missed. <laughs> Totes appreciated, he says. Enormously generous, he says. Tell you what, you're, you're laying it on thick, Luke, but I love it. Thank you, mate. Thank you for the Christmas present of the of the praise. Stop, In the general stop, it, stop it. No, don't stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Enough about me. Talking about what do you think about me? Uh, Luke says, in the generalist sense, if someone has dipped their toe in the investing world with a modest value, five-figure, concentrated portfolio of sensible small cap stocks. Gee, that's a lot. In, okay, modest value, five-figure, concentrated portfolio, sensible small caps. In brackets, it says 10 to 15 companies. Think straw man stuff. Shout out to Rampage. Hey. hey. They're always giving, sharing the love around here. But comes into a six-figure windfall or lump sum. Does it make sense just to chuck it all into the existing portfolio companies at the appropriate weightings one day immediately or averaging over months? Mm. With the illiquidity, is that a word? It certainly is. Mm-hmm. Of said small cap companies, the prices of said companies would be quite affected, wouldn't they? Mm. Not sure what the considerations are here. Come on. This has got to be a great rampage question. <laughs> LOL. You're doing the good work, guys. And my family says thanks. That's from Luke. Luke, love, love, the, uh, love the question. Love the style. Uh, love the Christmas uh, cheer. You didn't know you were bringing. You didn't know this was going to be a Christmas mailbag, but there you go. It is. Uh, we thank you for the compliments. And Andrew, <laughs> massive compliments for you. He's a, yeah, obviously a big fan. Uh, Luke Page, thank you for writing in. Uh, that's your brother Luke, cousin Luke. Oh, not sure. Uh, mate, so good, good question. 15, 10 to 15 stocks already. Happy with this portfolio. Mm. Allegedly, potentially, generally, without giving personal advice, comes into a six-figure sum and says, mm. what do I do with that money? Mm. What do you reckon? There's a, I'm going to, I think it's Peter Lynch, but I think he said um, <laughs> the best stock to own is, pro- the best stock to buy is probably one you already mm. own. Mm. And I've always loved that because I, I feel as though when we get new money, we feel as though it needs to go into new things. But we touched on mm. uh, last week, I think it was or recently anyway, as you say, we're all pre-recording this. So my, my timeline's a bit fuzzy. <laughs> but but really, you know- Aren't one- all podcasts pre-recorded? <laughs> yes, yes, very good. There you go. Very good. Um, <laughs> we, we, we get to a, a situation where- you probably don't need more than 15 or 20. So if you're going to start buying something else for the sake of being something else, it probably suggests that that even before the money came along that you should have sold something and put it into that. I mean, if if you've just come across the company that you think is one of the top 10 business op- investment opportunities on the market and it's not in your portfolio and you've got 20 other stocks that are there, it's kind of like, well, you know, take one off take one off the field and put the new one on. Like you don't you don't have to add more and more and more players uh, uh out there you 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 in fact take off the weakest one and add the strongest one but just always make sure you're fielding the best opportunities at at present so i, I just gonna look frame it that way a little bit um 
And also, so yeah, I, 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 if I'm starting with the premise that the 15, whatever stocks you hold, the 15 stocks are the best stocks opportunities yeah. as you see them. And I start with that premise because if that is not the situation, regardless of the new money, you might want to think about what you're holding because you, you, you're tacitly admitting that, well, actually these stocks, I've got them just because I've got them, but I no longer think they're the best opportunities, which kind of, kind of a bit odd. So I think it's a pretty good premise or, or assumption to make. And if that is the assumption, then yeah, hell, hell yeah, add, add it to them. Um, th- it, is, it is a really good question though as to, well, all at once or gradually. Now, mm. th- it, the, my dreaded it depends comes into it because <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know that if you decide to put it all in at once, the market decides to get all bearish and drops 30%. You go, I could have waited and got a much better price. Exactly. If then, then on the other hand, you go, no, 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 I'll be sensible. I'll just dribble it in. And, and then you'll realize that the market jumps 20% on the first day and you would have just been better off to put it all in there. You don't, you don't know. Um, right. uh, so I would say, I'll come back to the one exception, which I, I know, which is, is the point of the question. <laughs> but so I think more often than not, when it's a largish sum, I tend to think dribbling it in is a, is a more appropriate um, play just because while you know, it won't be guaranteed to be the best of, of all possibilities, it will, it'll probably be a pretty good one. Uh, it just spreads the do- that dollar cost averaging is just going to spread spread things out, um, maybe for better, maybe for worse, but it's it's probably going to be okay. Where it's a little bit different is you say, great, well, I want I'll go buy ten thousand dollars worth of stock X today, and you realise that oh, actually by doing that I could push the price up by five or six percent. So um, you have to be patient with with small caps. You can just either chip away at it or just place a limit order there and just. Just, just sit, let it sit there until it gradually gets filled. Um, so I bought shares the uh, the other week. Maybe well, this is at the start of December that we're speaking live in a company mm. called Laserbon LBL. It's a well, I want to say relatively small company. It's you know hundred million dollar market cap, which makes it tiny to most people. I actually think mm. that's a, not, not <laughs> tiny at all. It's a hundred million dollar company. Um, you know, and it's mm. it's it's doing something like thirty million dollars in sales at very high margins. Anyway, um, you know, they. I'm looking at the market today, and they've done. There's been twelve trades on the exchange. Right. You know, uh, yesterday fourteen thousand. Actually, uh, <laughs> about twelve thousand dollars worth of shares changed hands. It's going to be hard mm. to buy into a stock like that. Um, uh, so you, you you've got no choice but to just sort of just to, to dribble it in. But then it kind of I'm rambling at this point. But let me I'll tie a bow on it just to say I think net, naturally it's better to dribble it in anyway. These some of these stocks will force you to do it. So make sure that you like what you're holding. They're the best opportunities and then just dribble it in over a period of, of three to six months or something like that. And I'm sure you'll be pretty happy. Yep. Uh, don't have much more to add. I will, I, I will just give my thoughts. As always, there's a theoretical, theoretically correct answer and a, and, a, and a realistically correct answer. Insert the uh, usual quote from Yogi Berra about in theory there being no difference between theory and practice, but in practice there is. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it, it, markets go up over time. Uh, uh, you know, statistically, the earlier you had invested your money, if, uh, for the last 120 years, the earlier you invested your money statistically, the, the more money you made, mm-hmm. right? So, I, I've said before, I invested in my mother-in-law's portfolio, which was, I think, high six figures at the time. She was moving to a retirement share portfolio, did all on one day, single day, bang, in, done. Um, I have no issue doing that because she had a long-term horizon, the prices were reasonable, and on average, shares go up over time. But I could have done that on February 19, 2020, and then subsequently lost 40% of it. Now, almost all came back. I, you know, would have sucked. <laughs> I would have wished I waited a month. Um, but I wouldn't have been, you know, I wouldn't have been heartbroken by it. I may have had some explaining to do and some hand-holding to do over, the, over that month and a half, but it is what it is. That being said, so that's the theory bit, right? And that works for me because I just, I, I don't mind that. I can do it. The reality is the practice is over time does two things for you. One, if prices go down, you get to buy more at a discount. If prices go up, you've at least already got some shares, so you feel like you're making some money. And that's that's completely, back to our point about sapiens, that is completely just making stuff up. That is justifying to ourselves why what we're doing is okay, but it's real, right? Because it stops us from freaking out. And that's, that's totally worth it. So, you know, if you've got to play with yourself a little bit and make it sound like a, you know, a good story and convince yourself why it's a good idea, then yeah, I mean, do it. Do, do what you have to do. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that in any in any condescending sense, uh, certainly not to Luke or anybody, just, you know, if it, 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 that works, it works because it works because it works. 
and so that and that that's that's fine that's, that's all you need to do doesn't that you know back to the point about objective truth it doesn't matter what the truth is does it work for you does it make you more likely to keep investing does it make you some money do you feel good about it do you are you happy yes okay good job done um so anyway, that's all uh that, that's all my, my i would add to that so i think i think that's absolutely right to ram's point um just be careful buying large volume large values of small cap stocks in a hurry because if you buy at market prices between just not much volume in general and other people playing silly buggers specifically um just buy the price you're happy with mm. um don't 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 rush into it to my comment about doing it all at once i was buying large caps larger medium cap mid-sized caps for my mother-in-law but mm. You know, I would I would have done that with um with small caps necessarily for exactly the reason Andrew's mentioned. You Honestly, though, if, if if you had if you had a hundred grand, like a windfall, just land in your lap, and you had ten relative, like when I say small cap, you know, something around fifty to one hundred and fifty million dollar market cap. Mm. In most cases, you actually will deploy that in one day. You know, you you yeah. you will you will find so, or if not one day, certainly two. So it's not. I don't want to make it super onerous. I do have shares in one particular company, which is like you know, <laughs> insanely tiny, and it's it's yeah. it's far more different than that. But yeah, you'd you'd be surprised at at what is available. So yeah, if you've got a billion dollars to deploy, okay, you're going to have some troubles. But but even mm. with a very substantial sum of a hundred grand spread around to ten different stocks, you'll 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 find that it's it's certainly possible to do rel- relatively quickly if that's the way you want to go. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. My one from Patrick who says, Hi, Scott and Andrew, still loving the podcast. And then he says, still loving the podcast even when the first 10 minutes of the special mailbag edition doesn't start with a question. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> now, Patrick. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we, we covered it. We covered this the time. We, we, managed to, we managed to address a couple of questions before going to 10 minutes. So that's that was true. fine. Okay, okay. Like you, you, didn't say, you didn't say there wasn't 10 minutes. You said starting with 10 minutes, Patrick. So we've, we've avoided that one this time around just by sheer dint of luck. A question for the mailbag, please. Thanks for recommending Morgan Housel's book, The Psychology of Money. I particularly enjoyed the chapter on staying rich versus getting rich. Good point. A question for both of you. Do you think there's a time in your lives when you would switch completely or a large portion of your investment strategy to ETFs or something with more consistent returns? I appreciate you have both done well picking stocks over a long time, but as my wealth and age builds, I'm starting to get a bit of the yips and starting to feel more conservative. Yes, opportunity cost. He's been listening. But I'm curious if you both have similar thoughts. Thanks, Patrick. You want to go first? No, you go first. All right. Uh, yes, Patrick, I've thought a lot about this. Uh, I don't have a firm view. We've talked about this kind of idea broadly in the past. Um, I know for myself, my, my own kind of personal journey thus far, I've got a bit of time to go, but thus far, I know that I am more aware of the my mental state moving towards not protection because i've got that much yet but you know if the, if the accumulation is at one end of a spectrum and protection is at the other end um i can feel myself moving along that spectrum i'm not a, i'm not at i'm probably past the middle uh oh depends on depends you, you consider protection i suppose um i'm still accumulating i'm still adding i'm still building i'm still trying to beat the market i'm still trying to get good returns but i can absolutely see a time when i feel like i have enough and at that point the upside potential versus the downside risk changes mm. uh and so yeah i think i will absolutely as i get older become less aggressive in my investing i don't say more conservative conservative starts to feel like andrew's talking about you know the language of risk the other thing when we talk about conservative when it comes to superannuation funds for example conservative is cash mm. right and, and, and shares are still high growth so i'm gonna absolutely i'm gonna 100 percent say high growth in that in that context of I'm going to be I'm going to be in shares till the day I die. I'm I'm reasonably sure. I, I mean, I talked about buying investment properties a couple of months ago, some, or a month or so ago. So maybe I would, but but I expect to be fully invested in growth assets, uh, probably shares, and probably for the rest of my life. Uh, but will I start to think about preferring dividends over capital growth? Yeah, probably. Um, will I spend as much time looking for the nth degree of outperformance when I'm seventy and and gardening? Probably not. Um, I will my day job absolutely that's my job uh but for my own portfolio you know if it gets to a, a a size where i'm like you know what that's enough then it does change the way i think about accumulation it does change the way i think about protection um you, you know I, I, i'm always i'm always fa- so kerry packer and rupert murdoch are two very different personalities kerry's dead obviously but 
Um, Rupert was always prepared to bet the company. He bet the company two or three times during his career. And he was, you know, richer than Packer as a result. So he, he, you know, bet the company on, bought the Adelaide Advertiser and bet the company again to buy the rest of News Corp. Then bet the company again to buy into Fox in the US and that kind of stuff. Um, Packer, Kerry Packer was always of the view. And frankly, while, well, um, Sir Keith Murdoch, Rupert's dad, was wealthy, I don't think he was as wealthy as Sir Frank Packer, Kerry's dad. And I think there is some element of the difference in, you know, Rupert was building an empire. Kerry was managing the empire. And so you do things differently. Kerry, was, Kerry I'm pretty sure he said, although he may not have, it may have been inferred, but I think he said, worst effective, he was never going to risk the business. The family had money, had enough money, they were going to risk it, and there was just no, no reason to. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't buy things that might have gone up or down or whatever. He just, he just pulled back on the, on the aggressive element. Now, Rupert made a, made, a, made a fortune. Others, you know, Holmes of Courts, Scase, Bond, bet companies and lost. So we, we talk about Rupert Murdoch as the one who made it, we talk about Bond who the one who didn't. Uh, the Packers did really well, although James arguably hasn't done as well as his old man. They're still worth billions of dollars. Like he's, not, he's not struggling. So yeah, I, I, yes, in that context, I think you do at some point go from acquisition to preservation or maintenance or something. some word there. I, these are all loaded words, so I want to be careful. But yeah, look, I'll stay in high growth. I'll stay in shares. Uh, I will at some point probably end up as I buy more companies, the older I get, the more I'll probably think about dividends rather than growth. Uh, I'd rather not sell anything. I'd rather I'd rather not have to sell to liquidate cash or to make cash available. I'd rather I'd rather hold that, not pay the tax, not because I don't want to pay tax, but because well, once you pay the tax, you got to do something. You know, you got to use what's left. If you don't have to use what's left because you get dividends instead, that'd be my preference structurally. So yeah, uh, really good question, mate. Um, I think that's probably a bit of time away, but as I get to, as I click get closer to retirement, I think I will absolutely, probably, just instinctively, deliberately, probably at some level, but you know what I mean. I'll start to think more closely about what does my retirement income portfolio structure look like, rather than just am I picking the right stocks earlier in my life when I was like, you know what, I want to build a sizable portfolio. So yeah, like that's a long answer, but I think that's probably where I'm at. What about you, Red? Yeah, I get all of that. I do. I think I think actually the main determinant as to how you answer it depends on the amount of capital you're dealing with. Yeah. Because a lot of flexibility is afforded to someone who's who's very wealthy. So if you've got ten million dollars mm-hmm. in liquid assets, <laughs> yeah. you know, keep it in in hyper volatile, quote unquote risky investments because even if it drops by 70%, you st- like you know, you're not hungry, you're not kicked out on the street, you you and then, you know, you've got half a brain as to what you're doing there you'll, you'll find that that's just that's just a fluctuation and you know it'd be 20 million the, the week after and, and i think so i think that that depends if, if you've if you're right on retirement and you've got enough money that will just sort of support the kind of life that you want then i would be very conservative with that because mm-hmm. it just to your point i don't want to have to risk starting again i can't and, yep, I, and exactly. I can't wear a massive drawdown and there but but if if so, so that I don't know where I'll be <laughs> as I approach retirement. In my brain, <laughs> I'll be sitting pretty. Uh, whether or not that truth tends to be true will yeah. turn out to be true, I don't know. But if that is the case, I can see myself being a very aggressive investor until until okay. I'm into my nineties. And I, right. I, I think so because it's not it's not because it's this mad desperation to to maximize the amount of money I have. But I just I just have mm. for the longest time fallen in love with the process. And it's more of a scorecard mm. than anything else. Mm. It's a way to sort of measure what's mm. my view on mm. the world like, how successful have mm. I have I been in, in anticipating events. And you know, it's it's sort of it's more of a game than I think than mm. anything else. And if I happen to be reasonably comfortable, I can't see that I would give that up, you know, because I, I you imagine splitting, I, a, splitting the portfolio. I can imagine myself splitting a portfolio and almost having like a an income bit, and then a bit where I kind of go, okay, well, gee, I'll, I'll mention it for a Christmas drink. Kogan, there you go, drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're sorry, if it's Christmas morning still, uh, I can imagine thinking Kogan looks cheap. I'm going to put some money in that, yeah. but also having a decent chunk of ETFs, for example, or or, yeah. or income producing stocks, and kind of just doing that as a bit of a. As you say, I don't, I'm never going to. I'm never going to stop looking at that, going. Well, that looks that looks that looks pretty good. I might, yeah, I might, yeah. you know, that, that looks that's too good to pass up, man. The market's getting that wrong. I am, I'm with you 100. percent Well, you can have your but cake I, but and I can eat imagine it. Imagine being a smaller. You right, can, I can and I, a look, much smaller proportion. I, I will. Spe- there are I know firsthand of a number of straw man members who are uh, very comfortable and certainly in retirement. But what they do is they 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 call it their play money. They don't. I think they take it a lot more serious than that. So it's not yeah, to yeah. be dismissive. But it is. Yeah. They have said, look, there's five ten percent of my portfolio. It's a reasonable sum of money in its own right. But I, I, I want I, I want to go way up the risk curve because 
I enjoy the process. I think that there's opportunity there, but also worst, worst, worst case scenario, it all goes to zero and none of them are, are, are going in with, with, with that expectation <laughs> or hope, of course. But, but even under that, that most worst condition that you can think of, it's fine, right? So you, yep. you can actually have your cake and eat it too. I personally, if I am in my retirement years and all my money's in an ETF, I just, I think I'll be bored to death. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> so I think, I think uh, and you look at Charlie and Warren, you know, they're not yeah. buying green bananas oh, totally. anymore yeah. and they're, they're doing yeah. big deals and, you know, it just yeah. keeps the mind sharp. It's a fascinating thing. So yeah, have a, have a, have a, have a we've, we've well and truly answered it, but you can, you can have your cake and eat mm. it too. Mm. I think that's right too. Hey, one from Steve who says, Hi, Scott. I love the Roy and HG show and I've passed the pod onto friends. Passing the pod in quotes, I've stolen from the Peter Crouch podcast sports show in the UK. There you go. I don't know that one, but oh, cool. uh, interesting. thank you for passing the pod. I appreciate it, Steve. We appreciate it. My question, he says, I have one of the Motley Fool's recommendations, Domino's Pizza. What are your thoughts on Domino's now with the class action happening? Now, there's a class action around underpayment of wages. Um, how do you think this is going to affect the company, management, profits, etc.? If you were doing your due diligence on the company now, would you still buy it? Or now would you say that management is terrible and don't buy? Moral compass for the staff. Or should we be fluid with our thinking and say it happened and just move on? Thanks from Steve. Mm. I'm going to let you go first on that, Mike, because I went first. Uh, well, I don't know Domino's as, as well as you do, but um, just in more, more generally, I've I got to be careful how I answer because there's how I would answer as a uh, citizen and how I might answer as someone who's directly invested yeah, right. in it. You know? So yeah. uh, I think there's always going to be and probably always should be a bit of a natural tension between what employers are willing to pay and what employees are willing to accept. It's kind of yep. – kind of capitalism to some extent that works yeah, you know yeah. yep. so i think that there's always going to be a tension and i think uh sometimes the, the workers will have the upper hand and other times the employers will have the upper hand i don't know when i'm trying to weigh up the merits of an investment if ever that's a significant factor so is it important does it have an impact yes is it likely to be more of a dominant factor than the amount of stores that they can roll out, the amount of per share, uh, you know, growth they can get on a, a per store basis, what they can do with their franchise fees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all the thousand other things that you need to sort of consider as, as an investor in this business. Because they'll reach an agreement at some stage or that they won't or the ruling will be unfavorable to them, but it really goes in as a significant item in one year's annual report and then the business goes on. I would say that if it is, if it has gotten, and maybe there are some businesses very heavily unionized with a very significant labor cost component to their income statement, where you'd think, actually, no, it is actually, you know, one of the major factors. I don't know if that's the case, though, for a Domino's. And, and in that regard, I, again, I'm going to be careful because I'm not want to say it's not important. It's just that yeah. it's not, I, I'd probably guess out of, if you were to list the top 10 most important things, if it's in that list, it's at the very end of that list. Yeah, I so I own shares, um, as as Steve mentioned, and so I, I also want to separate all these bits out, as you say, around. There's there's so many different component parts to this. So, oh man, let's 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 do this for fun. Uh, I'm going to be honest and upfront and try and explain myself well, and hope to avoid the rotten tomatoes. So first things first, um, ideologically, I hate the loaded term wage theft because I don't know many businesses deliberately go to steal money from their employees and deliberately underpay them. Uh, I like all, like all good conspiracies, you need a hell of a lot of people to say nothing while they all conspire to rip someone off. And I would be remarkably surprised if in more than 90% of large employer cases, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one employer operations, the guy who runs the corner store underpays his, you know, pays cash to his 14-year-old staff and pays them less than they deserve because he thinks he can get away with it. I think that's, that's a very different thing. I think an organization the size of Domino's, and I'll throw in any other fast food, not, I don't want to tire anyone with brushes here. By the way, Domino's is an allegation, not a, not, a, not a proven case as far as I know, so we're talking about allegations here. Um, let's say Maccas was doing it. I don't, I don't believe there are 15 people at Maccas around the room saying, you know what we should do? Let's actually go and change the computer record so we can underpay staff and report a, high, a bit of higher profit, right? Same as, same as the bank stuff. You know, the banks are guilty of, of massive under um, management of some of those risk areas. Right? No one's saying, you know what we should do? We should go and funnel some money to Thailand without doing know your customer checks so they can spend it on horrible, horrible, horrible things. You know, No one's doing that deliberately. What they are saying is we should do that. Oh, I'll cost my other side to do that now. We'll go back to it. I'm sure everything's okay. So they're, they're guilty of mismanagement if they are guilty. 
absolutely. I think, I think the wage theft idea, I think it's just stupid. It's just, it's just, it's just a dumb political loaded comment made to demonize employers. And I think it's just stupid, not very useful. So let me say that first. Secondly, I also think anyone who underpays staff through lack of effort should absolutely be brought to account, should have to pay back those staff and should probably pay a penalty for not, not using appropriate due diligence to make sure they're paying enough people enough money. I think it's, you know, they're, they're legally obliged to do it. You should be held to your legal obligations and you should pay a penalty for doing it and getting it wrong. Part of running a big business is, hey, how much effort and time have we spent to make sure our systems are correct? And if they're not, then you pay a penalty because if I speed, I pay a penalty. If, you know, if other things happen, people pay penalties. I think it's completely appropriate. So if Domino's is guilty of this, even as a shareholder, if they are guilty, let me be really clear, uh, I'm more than happy for them to have to pay the difference and then pay a fine and I will hold management accountable for getting that wrong because it's cost the company reputation, it's cost the shareholders money, it's cost time and legal effort and everything else and distraction. So yes, they should absolutely be accountable and they should be penalised for not doing the right thing. I have no issue with that whatsoever, even as a shareholder. I said, we talked about the AMP advertising you know, in early December, earlier this month. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to stick up for companies I own shares in as if somehow they are, you know, <laughs> principles are a funny thing, you know, principles only really count when they hurt you. It seems to be principle when it's somebody else's problem. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I don't mind that people assume I'm somehow dodgy or, you know, may, maybe he's just saying that because of whatever. I own shares in Domino's. If they are guilty, they should pay up fine. And if it's a big fine, then so be it. I, as a shareholder, I'm going to cop that and that's management screwing up on my behalf and the manager should be held accountable as well. And that's completely okay by me. I can, I can, you know, people will say, oh no, of course I shouldn't because of X because I own shares. Bugger that. You know, I own shares in Fortescue. I think royalty rents, resource rents should be higher. Will that cost me money? Yes. Should they be higher? Yes. They should be higher anyway because it's the right thing. That It's possible to have a, a, a principled view and be hurt by that view when it comes to personal interest and more people should frankly be like that. Anyway, getting back to the question. Uh, so I think so that that's that's where the situation's at. I so because I Steve because I don't think this is deliberate, and I could be wrong about Domino's, but I think in ninety plus percent of cases it's not deliberate because, as I said, these are big conspiracies to be able to you know keep quiet. Uh, you've said before, Andrew, what's the thing about if it, the choice between a conspiracy and a stuff up? Isn't that someone's law? I think you mentioned it. Uh, Hanlon's Han- Han- razor. Don't attribute razor. to malice what can be uh, better attributed to stupidity or something like right. that. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm absolutely sure they're not paying their workers more than they have to. But I'm also I'm also 99 percent sure they're not paying them less than they should and trying to get away with it. Maybe possible to get away with it. And the HR manager and the CEO and the the paymaster and the administrator. I mean, imagine the number of people who have to be involved in this to make that deliberate, right? So. Uh, so to that extent, if I'm going to criticise Domino's, if they are found to be guilty of this, if, uh, then I will criticise them for being not careful enough and diligent enough with their staff and their systems, not for wage theft in air quotes. Um, but I, I just go further than that and just say, let's, let's just play out the hypothetical. Let's yep. say they did. Let's say they're, it's very unlikely, but let's say that they did. there's a grand conspiracy at play here. So, okay, yep. what will happen? They'll go through. The truth will be fine. They'll get have to pay out some people. They'll cop with a fine. Honestly, does that, does that if everything else, now, if every, every other part of the business is about to collapse in a heap, that's a different story. But if every, you yes, know, yes. everything else being equal, yeah, what, what has really changed? We often talk about the true value of a yep. business being the, the, the entirety of its future cash flows mm-hmm. discounted back to, to the present value. It's like, well, yeah, it sucks to have to pay out a little bit extra and cop a fine or whatever. But does it? Does in terms of what was expected, has that materially changed? I'd suggest not. I'd suggest not. Now you might argue, yes, but what it does is it points to a certain style of management and where there's one cockroach, there's more, et cetera, et cetera. And that's mm-hmm. a that's a view that that people are in, in, entitled to. But I do think some of these things get get overblown in their in their significance. Yes, I think that's true. Uh, but if I thought management were dodgy, then Steve, to your point, I absolutely would have a problem with it. Mm. If I thought this was deliberate, so yeah, I, I take your point. But I do think at some level, if if there is a if there was a culture of, you know, whatever. I mean, casinos right now, despite I know you've got an ethical problem with casinos, and I, I share the same ethical concern, but it wouldn't stop me buying the shares necessarily. We've recommended Crown mm-hmm. before and Sky City, but not Star at the Motley Fool. Um, Right now, it seems like it's such a mess and, and, and the, the stench is so overpowering and the mess is so all-encompassing. Even if it wasn't deliberate, and frankly, it does sound like some deliberation there in terms of some, some of the decisions that we made. Willful, but again, willful ignorance at best. 
Yeah. And so, you know, yes, absolutely. So, Steve, to your point, in that case, I would I would not buy Star right now for, for those reasons. It might be cheap because everyone's thinking the same and maybe it, maybe it's an opportunity for the value hunter to go and buy some. Uh, it seems like such a mess. That's different. If this is a case of a very, very, very well-run pizza business that happens to have done a crap job, probably not deliberately, but anything's possible, um, does it change my view of the long-term value generation? No, it doesn't change, to Andrew's point. So I think that's it's it's always going to be a qualitative call and a, and a judgment call. But no, I I don't I don't see the business materially differently than. Can I, I broaden that out because it's such a fascinating Please. question? Not so much about dominoes, but I think investing in in shares in general is that you could you can look at the the stock that I love the most that I have the most money in, and I will point out five different things I don't like about it. <laughs> at least. They've all got they've all got hairs yeah. on them. Yep. They've yep. all yep. got hairs on them. There is there is yep. no perfect business and if you, you could find I remember actually when I went to the Berkshire meeting with you actually mate um, for the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. There were protests out the front because some of the Berkshire businesses were doing some stuff. I think some pilots union representatives there and some from the the home building company that Berkshire owns and you know, mm-hmm. the, the, right. and 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 I, I was because I'm just so outside of the the loop, being an, an Australian mm. and not tied to some of these smaller investments. But when you're sort of hearing about, it, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like it's not an unreasonable gripe. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, so the, yeah. and then you, here, yep. here you have probably the archetypal sort of quote unquote best business that you can imagine, and and there are some less than savoury aspects to it. And and the, I guess what I'm saying, what am I saying? I'm not saying. You should you should turn a blind eye to any injustice that you see out there. I'm not saying that. Mm. What I am saying is that if you demand perfection in your investments, you'll never have a single investment. Yeah, you, right. you never will. And so what you do is you have a set of scales there, and on one side yep. of the pros and on the other side of the cons, and there will always be yep. stuff on the cons. But it's a question of can the pros significantly outweigh them? That mm. Such that mm. such and the, and is the return potential significant enough to compensate you for those risks and the rest of it? So it's it's a good point, and it's, it's it's I come up across it a lot because there'll be companies that I like, that good friends that I respect mm. and and admire, who hate them, and they'll bring up various points, thinking that it's a gotcha, and it's like, no, I agree mm. with you. Um, they go, oh, but how can you agree with that and still like it? It's like, yeah, but there's you've got to look at it holistically. So while that is a negative, and I agree it's a negative, there's this, 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 and this, and at least in my mind that over that that more than makes up for it. So. Mm. Um, I just wish, you know, natural human inclination, black and white, everything's binary, <laughs> everything's great or everything's terrible. But, you know, yeah. it's where the subtlety sits is, is, is where reality sits. And that's the more, more, interesting, more interesting place to be anyway. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I'm just trying to think through. You, you're absolutely right, mate. Anyone who, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the whole idea of like the Elon Musk thing of like, you're going to love him or hate him. Yeah. No, no, you can actually believe that he's both two things at once. And then you've got to make a call. Overall, yeah. given the person that he is, do we think he's right to run Twitter? Question mark. Yeah. Is he right to run Tesla? Question mark. Yeah. Do I want him to be a politician? Question mark. And the answer might be very different on, on yeah. one, two or three of those answers, for example. Yeah. Right? So it doesn't. Do I, do I want to give him all of my money to and right. just back <laughs> him? No. Do I want to go party on his yacht for a weekend? Yeah, I'd be yeah. tempted. I'd be t- I'll take oh, that off. Would you? Dude, yes, yes. Even if it was the weirdest, wackiest kind of weekend in the world, you'd be dining out on that story for forever. There (laughs) there is no way, and I I would say there's no way that you wouldn't go either. Honestly, you got the the call and he said, like, we're going to randomly select five Twitter users, (laughs) come hang out with me for a week. You're going. You are going. I I, I, I guarantee. If I could get off the yacht, if it was was more, I'd probably say yes. I don't know. Honestly, I'm I'm actually, maybe I'm being silly. I I don't know. A weekend, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't oh. know. I, I, a dinner? Yes, in a heartbeat. Yeah. A weekend? Somewhere I couldn't get off? I, I, if I can see land, maybe I'm going. I don't, I don't I, know. No, I would 100% take it. And I, I didn't say that you as I'm like okay. some sycophantic fanboy just because, yeah, wow, yeah. what a wild experience so it would be. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be, uh, it'd be a heck of a thing. Yeah, look, I, so just, yeah, I, like, I don't think we much more say on Steve's thing. I just, I think... Are there anything that is? Are there any single factors that are no's for you, mate? I guess. To, yeah, that's a to, good to one. To your point about this, there's scales, but there's then is there anything so heavy that it doesn't matter what's on the other side? <sighs> um. Oh, I mean, there would be. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the last real world experience I can give you of of where that is true. I, I put up with a lot. <laughs> I, put, <laughs> I put up with too much on some of the companies that I like. Honestly. Um, 
probably mentioned Kogan already. So we can. Oh, look, yeah, you know, yeah. my one the one that hangs around my <laughs> neck that people love to remind me of is, is Catapult, which I still like, yeah. by the way, for despite yeah. you know, for my sins. Um, <laughs> but yeah, lots of hairs on that thing. My God, mm. you know, mm. uh, always gonna gonna promising this, promising, and just you know this the. the but yeah, is there is there anything that's an instant thesis buster? I think I think if there was a sign that management have done something deliberately fraudulent that's probably a deal breaker yeah, okay. because yeah. because it the the it reveals a, a certain character so it's yeah. so like well you've been busted for this what haven't you been busted for <laughs> yeah, that's right or if you're prepared to do yeah. that what yeah. you know how yeah. do i know you won't be prepared to maybe inch a little bit further in the wrong direction so i think mm. trust is everything for me so the moment i lose mm. trust i'm out I mean, if, if management's just stuffed up, I'm actually very forgiving of that. And I think people who have been in business tend to be because you realize that it's not a conspiracy. It's not all incompetency. Yeah. It's just living in a highly complex world. <laughs> Sometimes things don't go to plan, you know? So it's 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 it, making mistakes I'm very, very relaxed about as long as it's not, you know, a structural blow to the business yeah. and its viability. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doubling down on, on film. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not a good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blockbuster, <laughs> we're a bit late, but now I'm yeah. going all in. Yeah. No, no, there are there are exceptions to that. But, but yeah, I think as soon as I feel as though that you are up to no good, um, mm. yeah, I'm out instantly. Anything else comes to mind? Um, there, there would be maybe, maybe debt. If there was extreme mm, mm. fragility in the balance sheet, that's yeah, right. probably something as well. It kind of goes together. These, these, end up being, these, are, these are reasons you wouldn't go in, though. I think that there's that they become just investment metrics of, you know, yeah. how, there's a price that's too much. There's a sales growth that's not enough. There's a, you know, they, they, I mean, they, those are, those are not, they're very reasonable starting points, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, companies can change. They have a company said, oh, we're going to do yeah, this. And you go, whoa, okay, what? How much are you borrowing? And oh my goodness. Or so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. What, yep. what about you? Um, fraud, definitely. Um, I am increasing. Do you know what's also hard? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to half answer this and half take a tangent on this one. And we haven't got long, but I'll just quickly do this one. We're also harder on businesses that we, we've got to be careful that we don't just look at the changes in things. So I was going to say things like management remuneration, particularly where it changes to be less favorable to the shareholders. But then I'm kind of like, well, the change itself, if, if it was always like that, would have stopped me buying the company in the first place? And the mates probably no. So I, I, as I'm, even I'm talking, I'm changing my mind, right? Because there's that idea of, you know, when you hire someone internally, it, it, often what counts against internal hires is you know their faults but you don't know the faults of the people coming in all you see is their best bits of the interview mm. and you've got to really really consider that and I think when it comes to I guess that's what I'd say when it comes to companies and again Steve to, to, to your point to the, to the other sorts of issues is you know the the one thing we know about Domino's versus the things we don't know about everybody else, you know, um, and and frankly the things in other companies past, I mean God, Volkswagen was started by Hitler, right? Mm. So do you never invest in Volkswagen because of its past? I mean, I'm being deliberately silly. By the way, some people are saying yes because, you know, people are comparing Musk and Tesla and saying, well, you knew no Volkswagen is by Hitler. It's like, that's a very different thing. It was a very long time ago. <laughs> Hitler's well and truly dead. Musk is still running Tesla. So it's a whole, not that I'm making make an argument either way, but just to get that dumb kind of, you know, comparison stuff. Um, so I don't know. I, I oh, fraud, yes. Uh, deliberate management dishonesty, yes. So the star thing, mm. you know, the, to, the, to the extent the findings of the inquiry were that revenue was misclassified, incorrectly classified, that just so happened to be in the interest of, of the company. That stinks to me. Mm -hmm. um, now, the management's changed that, right? So then you say, okay, well, management's now gone. Is star now investable? And I don't know the answer. So we're back in the same, you know, back mm. to the same questions mm. of, you know, as you say, management can move on. Um <sighs> I don't think so, mate. I don't think there's anything that's absolute for me. Because mm. um, by the time you know there's fraud, the management's gone. Like literally by definition mm. at that point. By the time you know about it, it's been exposed. And unless well, management leaving or the penalties of those are company destroying, yep. at some point the management says, okay, if you go, now we've got a new person in charge. Now what? Well, and I that's, think that's, you know, that's true. That's, that is true. Although I, me I mentioned um, John Hempton previously. He's one of the big short yes. sellers on the Aussie market. Um, 
Bronte Capital is what he runs and reasonably mm-hmm. successfully. So he, one, of, one of his approaches, he just keeps a list of, of uh, dodgy people. So it's not like out-and-out out fraud necessarily. People who have sort of revealed themselves and, you know, uh, tipped their hand in the past and then pop up somewhere else running a new business. I'm sad to say it happens a lot, particularly in the mm-hmm. resource space where you have right. sort of, I don't want to get into my trouble and, and um, name Please names not. here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's there's some, actually something in the courts recently, it was covered well in the financial review, a guy on Twitter sort of follow and call certain characters out who had, not very difficult to prove it, but, you know, allegedly pumped and dumped a whole bunch of stuff to line mm. their own pockets. And then, mm. you know, when, when the enterprise falls to zero because it was always just nothing, it was only hype, yep. and then they they phoenix up somewhere else and do it again and again and again. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, you know, I, you I know. think, yeah, maybe I, don't, maybe I don't spend enough time in, in the microcap land. Um, you know, none, none of those people are running ASX 200 companies, I guess. And not that I'm exclusively investing there, but I I guess I mean, I, I'm talking about the fraud at the company. Yes, itself. yes, so yeah. If, yeah if there was a fraud perpetuated by, you know, Scott Page at, at Strawfill Capital, yeah. um, you know, and then, and then Scott Page leaves, then the company itself. I'm about the company, not the manager. At that point, you know, if if the fraud, you're right. If there's a, if there's a fraudulent CEO who bounces around, then of course you're you're 100 right. So there's um, the, the flip of it is is true as well. You never want. To, I mean, heuristics are heuristics. They're not algorithms, right? They don't always yes, give yes, you the yes. right answer, but they are pretty yes. useful. And just to flip that around, so I, I mentioned before that I, I um, took a position in Laserbond recently. Mm-hmm. So and it's, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this to tell anyone to do or not do but but one of the things that stood out to me is the person running it was um part of the family that founded it he's been there since 1994 the vast 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 majority of his wealth is tied up in the business he's worked from everywhere from the factory floor to you know the the highest echelons of of the operation he just you know it's sort of like that doesn't guarantee anything but it's like if this guy was going to pull a fraud he would have done it by now you know he's he's getting on in years it's sort of like there is there you can never be 100% on trust but i would i would i would feel as though with such a long track record that there is there is a, an end alignment and the power of incentives and the rest of it you, yeah, you could put yeah. a huge amount of trust into that as opposed to the professional class CEO who's been there for two months, who's measured against an EBITDA metric on their remuneration, <laughs> on their long-term incentives, and and you know is is, mm-hmm. is is just basically going through all the usual tricks to try and make sure they get their bonus. Is is yeah. you know that th- there is a lot to be said for those kinds of heuristics. I think that's right, um, and I think that yeah, the reasons to invest or the things that make things more likely to be successful. And again, I, we're repeating ourselves, repeating ourselves, but it's Christmas, so give us a break, people. Um, the uh, I, I think it's the uh, just a reminder that heuristics play out in probabilistic ways. Mm. So will every will every founder-led company do well? No. No. Nope. Will, will will every will every you know company with a class action against it be found guilty? No. Uh, and, 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 yeah. So just, you know, it's exactly your point, Ram. I just wanted to add to it that heuristics, you know, I, I the fool in the US did some work ages ago um, on founder-led businesses and unsurprisingly, they tend to perform really well. Yeah. I don't have the stats in front of me, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and recall them because it's probably be, I'll get it wrong to some degree or other. Mm. Um, but, and it makes perfect sense, right? It, just ma- it makes logical sense. And there are, they're not the only businesses to invest in. And we said off air um, a, a couple of weeks ago that, um, you know the price is it still matters. So you know, will will the founder-led business perform well as an operation, business operation? Probabilistically, yes. Mm-hmm. But if the market's already paying three times the price for that, don't don't assume that you can necessarily. You know, you need to just, just consider the business itself entirely independently and completely, and then work out a price. Yeah, and only then do you put your money to work. So while I would say it's very likely that founder-led businesses do very well over time businesses i think that's absolutely true at some point and we've seen this before with frankly the last 18 months in tech right 18 months ago tech was way too expensive relative to what people think today mm-hmm. now some of it was legitimately too expensive some might actually bounce back so maybe it's just too cheap now but you know there are some wonderful tech businesses eight, 18 months ago they remain wonderful businesses today they're a lot cheaper now mm-hmm. uh, and it was because in mass, mo- large part they were overvalued then. Maybe they're undervalued now, as I said. But just because they're great business, they're, they're not, they're not any, the quality the business is no less today than it was eight months ago. In fact, most of them, most of the good ones are probably better today than they were eight months ago. 
and yet the shares are much cheaper because people have changed their mind on the valuation. Mm. So it doesn't, you know, one doesn't necessarily lead to the other. Um, it's possible that if the market gets excited about founder-led businesses, think about FANG stocks. Remember the WAX stocks? WAX, was it <laughs> WiseTech, Appen, mm-hmm. Altium, Masterpay, Zero. There you go, got there. Um, you know, they, once, but once everyone's loving those things, if everyone loved founder-led businesses tomorrow, loved, it, loved, loved the hell out of them and paid a squillion dollars for them, there's the opportunity for individual investors is much, much, much less. So look at the business, then look at the share price and then uh, yeah, it, work it with it. And, that, and that, that comes back to that thing of everyone having hairs, every opportunity having yeah, some uh-huh. hairs on it and it's a multi-pronged thing. I'll give you another just a contrast position here. I'd, Go for it. I, one, of the, one of the honestly unsung heroes of the ASX is a company called Objective Corp. I may have mentioned it before. Mm. OCL is the ticker. Just, just an outstanding business and led by a founder. Um, who's got 62 million shares in the business. And uh, let's have a look here. There's only about 100 million shares outstanding. So, Hmm. wow, that that ticks all the boxes I was just talking about before. Run it for a long time, very successfully, but I don't own shares in it. And I don't own shares in it because, well, frankly, I just think it's a little bit expensive. Um, (laughs) But I love it in almost every other kind of way. So it's it's just to your point, though, you know, where you the mistake is you go, oh, founder-led, aligned incentives i'm in it's like whoa, whoa no it's big that's a very big tick very good but keep keep digging and, you know go go through that checklist I, it's a charlie munger quote which i'm going to murder but it's something along the lines of <laughs> every pilot no matter how experienced still goes through the checklist when they get in the cockpit you know so you you got to you've got to have like ten thousand hours of flying and you're still going to look at that checklist and go right have i looked at this have i done this and just go through it um something to be said for that one of my favorite pilot quotes, there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold yes, pilots. Yes, isn't that great? I kind of like that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Really, who's that? It's, it's a nice one. Mate, uh, Merry Christmas. Yes, likewise. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Thank you for spending your year with us. We'll do a bit of a, a year in review, probably next Friday, maybe a bit of a look ahead. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll focus on the turning of the calendar page. Uh, but in, No pun intended. <laughs> but enjoy this, uh, this festive season. Hopefully... Uh, look, here's the thing. If you're working today, if you're one of our, our frontline workers in whatever capacity, uh, particularly those in the armed services and the police, Navy, Air Force, uh, fire brigade, army, you get the whole thing. Plus all of our retail service workers, everybody in between the nurses, the toll road workers, the people doing stuff for us today. Thank you very much for doing that. If you're working over the Christmas break to keep things going, we very much appreciate it. If you do have the chance for a break, we hope it's a restful break. Hopefully you get to spend time with some loved ones, uh, doing some things that you enjoy, uh, enjoying some of our beautiful country. I uh, hope you're having a fantastic week to come. And uh, we will join you again next Friday with a bit of a, uh, yeah, a bit of a calendar focused episode. We look forward to it. Will you join me then, Ray? Absolutely. Looking forward to that one. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.